0: Back in 2013, Jamie Siminoff was the founder and chief inventor of a video doorbell startup called DoorBot. The company was struggling, but he had one last hope, an appearance on Shark Tank. My name is
1: Jamie Siminoff. I'm from Los Angeles, California. My product is the DoorBot. I'm seeking $700,000 for a 10% stake in the company.
0: Jamie walked out of that appearance empty-handed unable to make a deal with any of the sharks, and the company was on its last legs. But five years later, this company, now known as Ring, was sold to Amazon for a reported $1 billion. Here's the reaction from Kevin O'Leary, better known as Mr. Wonderful, on the show. I said, caramba. I couldn't believe the <laughs> price tag. Unbelievable. But
1: Kevin, as Shark Tank misses goes, this must be one of the biggest.
0: It, it's probably the biggest. On this episode of Numbers Geek, our Shark Tank week continues with the story behind what is actually almost certainly the biggest miss in the show's history. Our guest is Jamie Simonoff, the CEO, inventor, and founder of Ring. From GeekWire and USA Facts, this is Numbers Geek. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. Stay with us.
1: Numbers Geek is presented by USA Facts. Explore the numbers behind key issues facing the country at usafacts.org, where you can sign up for email alerts to be notified about the upcoming release of the USA Facts 2019 annual report on the U.S.
0: government. That's U-S-A-F-A-C-T-S dot Hey, everybody. Before we begin this week's show, a quick reminder that this is the second of two special episodes of Numbers Geek, looking at the numbers behind a couple of the most famous moments in Shark Tank history. Be sure to check out my earlier interview with Arum Kang, the co-founder and co-CEO of Coffee Meets Bagel, who famously turned down what seemed to be a thirty million dollar buyout offer from Mark Cuban on the show. You can check that out at geekwire.com/slash/numbersgeek or scroll back to the previous episode in your podcast feed. Okay, here's the show. All right, we are here with Jamie Siminoff, the CEO of Ring. Jamie, it's great to have you here. thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on Numbers Geek. So. When you went on Shark Tank, it was aired in November 2013, you were seeking a valuation of $7 million. You walked away empty-handed. You did not get a deal. If you were to go back again to Shark Tank, would you do anything different in terms of the numbers that you presented to the panel there, to the sharks?
1: It's one of those things, I mean, i definitely been asked it a lot. Uh, it was a very public, I'd say, public failure. You know, I, I have had many private failures, but they're not, I guess, on, you know, ABC for 12 minutes on primetime TV. Um, you know, I I think probably would have done the same thing. Um, the company, I turned out, was worth uh, that or more. Um, <laughs> or more. Or more. Or <laughs> more. Um, so, you know, it wasn't that was that wrong. I think the problem was we were on that show right before we had any real customer sort of like wins or feedback or mar- like product market fit. So I was really pitching like a dream that was out there. And you could see the dream was starting to build. But I think for an investor, it was very, and by the way, it wasn't just the sharks. I mean, we had hundreds of investors say no. I mean, this isn't like just the, you know, it wasn't like my only failure. And so it was very hard to get people to believe in not only a product, but this mission of reducing crime in neighborhoods because I looked like a crazy man in my garage in Los Angeles with this, you know, sort of sort of whatever doorbell that I had built called DoorBot at the time saying, I'm going to reduce crime in neighborhoods. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just lucky I wasn't committed to a, a home somewhere.
0: Well, it's interesting, though, because it sounds like from the beginning that overarching mission was, was driving you in terms of seeing the market. I think a lot of people who would have invented a technology would have said, hey, I can see who's at the door. Isn't this great? People should buy it. Yeah, to to yeah. be fair,
1: <laughs> I kind of did that. Um, I was in my garage and I was working on something else, a couple other things and I couldn't hear the doorbell and I thought, why wouldn't it go to my phone? It just seemed to like make total sense. And my wife was the one when I built this, this first version was really horrible looking. Um, and my wife was the one who said it makes her feel safer. It's like, I have gates on the house and and, and like, you know, like the rich people gates. And, um, you know, that was the, for me, that was the aha moment of Wow you know, like, like this is the worst thing I've ever put on the house. And she usually gets so mad when I do this. And like, this was the one, like she just, and she felt safer at home. We had a three-year-old at the time, um, who's now 10. Um, and so, so it was like that, that was really the aha moment.
0: That's, that's great. Well, I know that when you went on Shark Tank, how much money was left in the company's bank account at that point? Zero. Yeah, because you I mean, had spent how much on the set that you built for that show? Oh, uh, it was like
1: it was like ten or twenty thousand dollars. I mean, it was it was just you know just horrible times. I mean, uh, I mean you know now looking back, it was the best time ever because it's like oh my god, it, you know like how great is it to work in your garage and do all this stuff? But at the time, it was like a guy working in the garage, failing miserably, going on Shark Tank, spending like our last money on a set to go to film this thing to try to get money and then walking away with just absolutely nothing.
0: Jamie and I recorded this conversation backstage at our GeekWire Summit tech conference in Seattle. And later, when we were talking on stage, he went into more of the backstory of his Shark Tank appearance.
1: I was convinced going on that I was going to get Mark Cuban to invest. And he literally, within, it was so quick that he was just like, Jamie, blah, blah, it's great, but I'm out. And I was like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> And then I kind of went down the line, and everyone went out, and uh,
0: I went back to my garage, broke and uh, broken. So it was it was a it was a tough day. And you spent ten to twenty thousand dollars on that set. Yeah, that was a it was funny. So I, I I'm on the the Shark Tank producers or like Kate, who I'm still
1: friends with. Um, yeah, you know, I have this vision that we're going to have this door and this thing, and I'm like, that's amazing. I love it. Like, absolutely. I'm like, do you want it? Like, do you have any color? Like, what? And she's like, wait, you're building this, not us. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, <I'm> like, really? <laughs> so we had to build this. Now, today they actually do the sets for the companies. Um, but back then, you literally had to build your own set. And so I had, we're in Los Angeles, so like, what do you do? You like look in the yellow pages, you call a set builder. And so Dr. Wood came over, who is just this crazy guy. And in my backyard, he builds a full set. Like, we literally, and we still, by still in the entrance of our lobby, that thing is still in the entrance to our lobby today.
0: So you walk away empty handed. What's that drive home like? And then walk us through that, that psychological process.
1: Uh, I mean, I think this is where people want to hear that, like, you know, I just knew I was going to make it. And The drive home sucked. Um, because it's not even like when your office is in your garage, like, failure is like a double hit. Because you drive home to, like, get away from the thing. And you have, like, your three puppy dog, you know, employees are sitting in the garage looking at you being like, what happened? And you're like, leave me alone. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, we just didn't have it. And, um... Yeah, the, the, the good news was I was so over my skis. I, I was so over invested in this thing. I had everything in it that all I could do was keep going. Like stopping at this point was just literally, it was not, like, stopping was death. And so you just at least do the one thing that might not be death, which was going forward. And so I, I, it wasn't that I was like a motivational person or had like a real positive attitude. I just didn't want to actually die. And so I kept, kept pushing it forward
0: later, though, a key number was 5%, right? Because that's the stake in the company that Richard Branson later took. Am I right on that?
1: No, it's never been disclosed what he took, but he did take a nice stake in the company. And I think think he's very happy uh, with the outcome. (laughs) Right. Because another thing that's
0: never been disclosed publicly, it's been reported, but never confirmed, is that the valuation at that time was more than a billion dollars, which is also the purchase price that Amazon eventually ended up buying ring for and I have a hunch you probably can't talk about that number either.
1: We we can't confirm those numbers, but they they sound they sound pretty close.
0: (laughs) What does it mean to you that this company where you first thought was, you know, worth seven million and you walked away empty handed rose to very significant valuations.
1: And, I mean, obviously I, I am a human being, so it is it is amazing um, to look back and to see, you know, those numbers. Numbers I, I honestly never in my life, like in my wildest, really truly wildest dreams ever thought I would achieve. But the, what really drove me was I am an inventor. And I think the impact of the product, um, seeing it no matter where I drive around, what neighborhood it is, no matter where I travel, seeing the product, having people come up to me and say like I use it, that really is the impact that, like, most um, has affected me in sort of the, like, wow uh, moments. The The money is a great scorecard or scoreboard, and it's obviously great on other things, but it really, I, I think it doesn't drive you as a human to, like, what you want to do, and that's that's the, the impact is really what sort of got me.
0: So from that $7 million to the theoretical billion, what was the difference? What made the difference?
1: You know, I... I for us, what made the difference, and there was, you know, there's a lot of hardware companies that were kind of in the same time frame that have did not work out. We focused on a true customer need. Uh, we call our customers neighbors, and we really focused on like how do we make our neighbors' lives better? And I think it's business is very simple. I think when you focus on your customer, I mean, and I mean like focus like crazy focus on your customer, um, you end up I think success comes to delivering benefit to your customer. And and I believe with Ring, we were really able to deliver that benefit. And that's why we rose above, sort of, not only sort of potential competitors at the time, but really kind of the overall sort of peer group of hardware companies.
0: After the break, the unusual numbers that Jamie Siminoff uses to measure the success of Ring, plus his triumphant return to Shark Tank. Welcome back to Numbers Geek. Let's jump back into our conversation with Jamie Simonoff, the CEO of Ring. I'm looking at stats from the government collected by USA Facts, our partner on this podcast, and it shows a pretty dramatic decrease in property crime, larceny and theft from 1980 to 2016, uh, going from uh, roughly, you know, 3167 incidents per 100,000 people down to, you know, 1745. What potential does technology have to reduce that even further and what what happens in that trend
1: um, you know I, I think it will i think we'll continue to I, I think we will continue to reduce and make neighborhoods safer with the technologies that are coming out because you know, if you look at these crimes, um, and especially, you know, we sp- focus on burglaries, you know, sort of car vandalism, um, package theft, like the things that are, are sort of what's, what you call like neighborhood crime, um, you know, um, th- those things, I believe, with very simple, affordable and effective technology, you can actually... Never zero out, because I think that's, that's probably not realistic, but get, get very close in neighborhoods to zeroing them out. Our KPI, our success has always been around how much can we reduce crime, what's our effectiveness of actually reducing crime. And so we keep looking at that, keep doing studies. We just did one recently in Newark where uh, we took two neighborhoods, put uh, the homes with a little bit over 10% of rings in those neighborhoods. And with that, we were able to reduce crime by over 50% uh, of burglaries.
0: I- plot twist in your entire story is that you have gone back on shark tank as a guest shark it wasn't long ago that someone very much involved in security came in here and asked for a ridiculous valuation i was the only shark that believed in him and now look what happened what happened he could have made a lot of money instead he made some and now he's working you're right (laughs) beside me now what advice would you give to Future entrepreneurs, in terms of the numbers they present to the sharks when they come on the show, sharks including you now.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 a funny thing because I am now a shark on Shark Tank, and you know I was on both sides, and so I get to sort of you know I, I feel the empathy for you know people's businesses, but at the same time I'm also a real investor there, and it's my money. Uh, so from the numbers side, you know if I'm going to invest a hundred thousand dollars or whatever in a business. That's real money. And so I need to see what is really going on uh, with the business. I'd say the one, the one thing I think that uh, overall I see, and I, I try not to give advice to people, but I think the one thing is tell me why you're doing the business. Because a, a lot of times we're talking about numbers and all these things, but a, a lo- businesses take a long time, seven to 10 years to become successful. The numbers will go up, they'll go down, products will come in, they'll go out, but why? Like, why are you in business to do what for who? And I think that's missed a lot. It's it's we get maybe too quickly to the numbers, and not what's going to sustain it for a long time.
0: But what about valuation? Would you, <laughs> should they overstate or understate? What's the best psychological trick on that show? I
1: think with valuation, the best thing have a lot of times when you ask someone like, "Okay, it's ten million dollars. Why?" and they just fall apart. Whatever the reason is behind the valuation, have something that's very clear that builds it up to allow that to exist. And I definitely numbers are a good part of that. The why is a good part of that because that'll tell you what, where it's going. Um, but yeah, a lot of times people just say, because, because this other company is worth this in the space. And it's like, that is not a reason to have a valuation for anyone. Like you are your own person. Why are you worth X?
0: Jamie Simonoff, CEO of Ring. Thank you very much for being on Numbers Geek. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Numbers Geek. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a rating and a review to let other people know what you think of the show. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, go to geekwire.com numbersgeek. For interactive graphics, charts, and more about the government numbers we talk about on the show, go to usafacts.org. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Numbers Geek graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. Video production and technical assistance from Kevin Lasoda. Claire McGrain provided research and production support on this episode. From Geekwire, I'm Todd Bishop. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Numbers Geek.